Welcome to the Parsha Perspective. Each week, we will delve deep in a weekly Torah portion to find a practical and insightful way to enhance your daily life. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Rabbi Shalom Yemini, and each week we will look into the weekly Torah portion to find practical and insightful ways to enhance your daily life. This week's Parsha perspective is in memory of Gita Bas Elio, Yeshua ben Yitzchak HaKoyin, Shlomo ben Edward, and Edward ben Ephraim. May their souls be uplifted and may the memories be a blessing. This week's Parsha perspective is in honor of the complete and speedy recovery of Shu'u ben Brita, Sasson ben Sal ben Batya, and Yerachmiel Daniel ben Tova Basha. This week's Torah portion is Parsha's Chukas. Our Parsha picks up in the final years of the Jewish nation's journey in the desert. We begin with Moshe teaching the intricate laws of Para Aduma. The Paraduma is a red cow, a red heifer that was never used and is slaughtered as an offering. And then it is burnt and its ashes used to rectify the most severe of ritual impurities to Masmes, an impurity contracted through interacting with a human corpse. When a person touches a human corpse, they must use the Paraduma ritual to become pure once again. This process takes seven days on which on the third and seventh day they must be sprinkled with the ashes of the Paraduma. Following the laws of the Parah Duma, we learn about the death of Miriam Hanaviah. She was Moshe's sister and the wife of one of the spies who spoke virtuously about the land of Israel, Kaleb ben Yefune. And therefore the rock that would miraculously provide water to the entire Jewish people in her merit dried up. And therefore the Jewish nation began to complain of thirst to Moshe and Aaron who turned to God for guidance. But what Moshe did next caused God to ban him from leading the Jewish nation into the land of Israel. The simple and conventional explanation is that God told Moshe to speak to the rock to produce water. But when that did not work, Moshe hit the rock and it began to produce water once again. But God saw that action as a violation of Moshe's trust in him and his ability to keep the Jewish nation alive in the desert. However, a question comes to mind. After trying unsuccessfully to speak to the rock, Moshe hit it and the stone began to produce water for the people. As the Pasuk says, And Moshe raised his hand and struck the rock twice with a stick and out came water for the entire Jewish nation. But why did Moshe need to hit the rock two times? What changed between the first and second hit? Rashi on this Pasuk answers this question by clarifying that water did indeed seep out of the rock after Moshe's first hit. But it was just a small amount. So he struck the rock a second time and it began to give enough water for the entire nation. Rashi explains that the second strike was done with far more strength and force. As Moshe was told in Parshish Beshalach in Shemais to vigorously hit the rock to get water for the people before the war with Amalek. So Moshe used the same method to hopefully achieve a similar result. However, the Rabbeinu Bechaya, Rav Bachi ben Asher, a famous Spanish commentary, gives a deeper and more profound explanation. He agrees with Rashi's explanation that only a drop of water seeped out of the rock after Moshe's first strike. But after Moshe's second hit, the water began to pour out and flow freely. The Rabbeinu Bechaya explains that Moshe had to hit the rock twice because God was trying to give him a way out. For Moshe was told to speak to the rock, and yet he already hit it one time. And therefore God put out a few drops of water so Moshe would have a clear and obvious choice to make. Would he follow the command that God told him to speak to the rock, or would he try again and hit the rock in hope of quenching the thirst of his people? And to make this decisive decision even harder, his choice would have to be made in front of the entire Jewish people. As the previous Pasuk writes, 
And Moshe and Aaron gathered the entire congregation of the Jewish people in front of the rock. And the Orachai Makadish Rav Chaim Ibn Attar adds that this difficult decision came easy to Moshe Rabbeinu. Because Moshe Rabbeinu is known as the Rayan Neman, a faithful shepherd as he always looked after his flock even at his own detriment. Like we see countless of times during their travels from Egypt to the desert, Moshe Rabbeinu took the Jewish people's sides whenever arguing and speaking with God. And even when God wanted to destroy the people by the golden calf and create a whole new nation from him, Moshe Rabbeinu begged for mercy. And he told God, if you kill the Jewish nation, erase me from your Torah, erase me from your book, because I put my people first. Moshe Rabbeinu was the ultimate and ideal leader because he put his nation first, even at his own disadvantage. In our daily life, it is imperative that we understand that when facing a tough decision, we must use our values and principles as our guiding light. Whether we are deciding on a career or picking whom to marry, keep your beliefs and morals at the forefront of your mind for they will guide you on your path to achieving success and happiness. There's an amazing quote that I once heard. Between the rock and a hard place, there lies a space full of choice. Have a great weekend and good Shabbos. Thank you for tuning in to The Parsha Perspective. Check out our website, theparshaperspective.com. Send thoughts and comments to theparshaperspective at gmail.com. Till next time, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.